1: With 100 delicious healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N O O M.com. Grab your copy of the Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, editorial director, here with Mara Levinsky, senior editor. Hey, everyone. So Mara, you and I are both huge fans of Another World and there is more fun Bay City news about days to share. So Linda Dano, who played Felicia Gallant and won an Emmy for her efforts before moving on to play Ray Cummings on the whole ABC lineup, has been cast as Vivian Alamein. Now, of course, the role of Vivian was originated by Louise Sorrell, who appeared on the soap earlier this year. But because of COVID, Louise, who is New York based, couldn't make it back in time. And you know, we've certainly seen this role recast before, most notably with One Life to Live alum, Robin Strasser. Um, and I'm just so excited to see what Linda is gonna bring. You know, because of the news last week about Jack K. Harry, I feel so many fans um, are hoping to see Linda and Jack K. in scenes together since they work together on another world as Felicia and Lily. But I hear they are not gonna cross over at this point, but that doesn't mean it still can't happen.
0: I am excited to see both of these women in Salem for sure. One of my favorite little fun digest memories is getting to interview Depe Harry. I don't remember precisely why, but presumably for some sort of catching up piece. And I told her uh, right when we got on the phone, that all of my friends were super jealous that I got to talk to her. And she said, rub it in, baby. <laughs> uh, you know, she is just such a magnetic on-screen presence and it's going to be so fun having her back on daytime and then of course there's linda another performer with crazy charisma you know she just evokes so much nostalgia in me felicia gallant was such a fixture of my childhood you know um and she's such an inspired choice for vivian i think given that louise
1: wasn't able to return
0: I think it's always smart if a role as iconic as Vivian has to be recast to fill the shoes with someone the audience will be excited to see. And Linda was such a fixture on the NBC daytime lineup. I'm sure there uh, was a lot of viewer overlap between Days and AW, and it kind of softens the blow of Louise's absence to tap someone like Linda who's such a pro and has such a distinguished uh, daytime career. Oh,
1: absolutely. And, you know, I feel we haven't seen a huge amount of Another World alums back on daytime. Um, You know, I recently caught up with Julian McMahon, who played Ian Rain for a piece about his show, FBI Most Wanted. And, you know, we were taking a long walk down Bay City memory lane. And he was asking like, if I knew how Paul Michael Valley was doing, and he was remembering how sweet Judy Evans was to him when he started. And it was just such like a solid, warm, fuzzy moment thinking back on that show. I mean, in that same vein, you know, I was trying to pull together a photo spread of old holiday moments for our new issue, and I just had the most delightful time looking back at old pics from As the World Turns, Guiding Light, and Another World, you know, for starters. That's just another one of the perks of the job is being able to go back on these deep soap dives, and it's uh, work-related.
0: Yeah, we we get to feel this ongoing connection to these shows of yore via our work, and that's definitely a special thing. Uh, you know, I, I put together the feature This Week in Soap History for the magazine and also uh, the five things that happened on soaps on this day for our website and social media. So literally, not a day goes by that I'm not doing something for my job that involves these defunct shows that I loved so much. Um, but I do think it's interesting, and I don't, I don't know entirely why this is, that the other New York shows that were canceled in the wake of Another World, uh, that would be in order of cancellation, Guiding Light, As the World Turns, All My Children, and One Life to Live... They all have a bunch of cast members on the four shows still on the air. I mean, G.H. has alums of all four of those shows in key roles. Wow. Uh, Whereas, you know, that's not so much the case with Another World. Uh, Of course, there's Judy Evans, but she had been on days before her A.W. years. And Rena Sofer, B&B's Quinn, had done a short-term role in the late 1980s. And we've certainly seen other people pop up here and there over the years, but there there just wasn't this flood of another world actors getting snapped up by the other shows. And
1: that's such a shame because it was so very filled with talent. Oh, beyond. I mean, that's also the whole East Coast versus West Coast situation. You know, most of these another world actors were East Coast based. And with all the shows filming in Los Angeles, it requires so much coordination and travel. And especially now, you know, travel is so hard. And it's just such a shame. When I did a catching up with Steven Schnetzer, who famously played Cass Winthrop, he did mention to me that one of the LA shows had reached out to him to come on for a handful of episodes. And this was, you know, pre-pandemic. But he said that once you break down what's really being asked, it's just a lot of time and effort for something that you're traveling to do. And I totally get it. Um, You know, which is why it's always exciting when, it does work out and we do get to see someone like Linda again.
0: Yeah, well, even if they may not be back in the daytime fold, a lot of another world alums have certainly done very well for themselves in the wider world of entertainment. You know, this is a show that once played home to Morgan Freeman, Rue McClanahan, Kira Sedgwick, Ray Liotta, Anne H. to name just a few.
1: And to name one more, our guest today, Amy Carlson, who has had a most impressive primetime career since leaving the role of Bay City's Josie. So let's check in with her and see what she's been up to. Hi, Amy. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We are so excited to catch up with you. Me too. Well, let us start at the beginning. Uh, you were born in Glen Ellen, Illinois, as one of four kids. Um, so tell us about when your interest in performing emerged.
2: Well, I, when I was young, I really liked, uh, I wanted to do the school plays. And I, there was plays in, in elementary school. Um, and, and I remember wanting to be in a play that was about a bear. And I auditioned. I really wanted to be the bear. But the problem was the bear's name was Herman. So I didn't get the part. <laughs> but that drove me to want to get more parts, and I acted in junior high, but then Basically in high school I started running and it took so much time and we would go downstate We were quite good I ran with my little sister. She was amazing anyway So we did, we were very competitive and it took up a lot of time so I couldn't do theater at the same time So I sort of
0: just dropped out of uh, theater and focused on athletics all through high school Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that you were active in theater in in college, but how did you make the leap into professional acting? So in college, instead of going on a junior
2: year abroad, what I did was I went and did an urban studies program in Chicago. And at that point, I had been acting a little bit in, uh, or acting a lot, actually, sorry, in college, doing a lot of plays, and I uh, had become injured I went down an athletic scholarship and I got injured. And then my sister said, come and audition on this play. So I ended up doing this Lanford Wilson play with her and she played my mom. Anyway, so I did a lot of, I I was like, this is really exciting and I want to see if I can do this, but how does one become an actor outside of college? So on the urban studies program, you had to have an internship. And what I did was I interned at this agency in Chicago called the Getty's agency. And they had like Dennis Farina, they had Amy Morton, they had, um, so many like big Chicago actors and I was basically stuffing envelopes with their headshots and sending them out for auditions. But I saw how the inside of an agency worked and I was like, Oh, okay. So I need a headshot. I need this. I need that. And so when I graduated from college, I kind of had, I had worked out a game plan of how to get an agent and start working. Like I was very methodical about it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it worked out well for you. (laughs) So you first came on Our Radar in 1993 when you landed the role of Josie Watts on Another World. So what do you remember about that audition process?
2: So I had, um, just speaking about agents, so I had recently switched agencies and I had this agent named Chuck Saucier and he was at an agency called Jefferson and associates and he had just moved from New York. So he was very connected in the New York scene. He knew um, Jeffrey, oh my God, Jeffrey Johnson, the casting director and he was representing me and i was doing a lot of tv in chicago at the time i was working on this show called the untouchables with william Forsythe, and uh i was doing this other show called um missing persons with daniel j travanti from hill street blue so and i was playing multiple characters they would just change my hair and i did multiple (laughs) episodes on both shows uh and Jeffrey Johnson called Chuck in Chicago because they were really, they only look in New York or wherever it was local. But he said, you don't happen to have someone who's like this. And he described Josie. Um, and Chuck was like, actually, I do have someone. So I think they sent some tape from one of these shows I was doing. And Jeffrey was like, yes. And so they flew me out to New York, which I had never been. They put me up at a hotel near Grand. I remember it was near Grand Central. I think it was the Hyatt. If I remember it was something like that. And I remember just walking around Grand Central, just being like, where am I? What is this? And I went shopping with my mom in Chicago. I was like, I have to have a nice outfit. And, uh, so I, I, I got these outfits and, uh, was in New York. And then I went and I screen tested and there were other girls there. It was like, you know, like some New York, like rental space. And, but they, it was quite serious audition. <laughs> Um, and I screen tested with Matt Crane and I ended up having to the kiss the, every soap audition. And I later auditioned people too for jobs. <laughs> uh, but like, if you're auditioning people, like it is like a day of, it's a, not a COVID friendly day. Let's say that it's <laughs> a day of making out with people who are testing. <laughs> I mean, I, so I had to end up kissing Matt Crane. And, um, I remember, um, Dennis, who was the stage manager at the time, he said to me, years later when I was had the job for, and had, had the job, or maybe it was even after, and he was just like, this girl's never gonna get the part. This girl looks rough. But I played it that way because like, I had prepared this, they told me the character had gone off to be a model and had gotten caught up in like a prostitution ring. The thing is, she was wounded.
0: You know, and so I played her. I played her wounded. Obviously, even though you had done some episodic work, daytime is a whole other ball game in terms of workload, line memorization, pace of production, and so forth. What was it like for you to make that adjustment?
2: I had a really strong neck. I, I when I was in college doing plays, uh, memorization was very easy for me, and I would often. Lay, uh, like, lie, you know, when you're like lying near the stage, when people are running their scenes, and when they call line, I would just tell them their line before the stage manager had time to look down because my brain just it was not a problem, you know, so that was really easy. Um, the thing that was hard for me that I really learned, and it was such a great lesson when I worked on the soaps, was emotional preparation, you have to be ready at go time. And it's you know, it's like, be ready because you've got like a big emotional scene. You have to just like drop right in and be completely emotionally mm-hmm. flexible. So the soaps were a really good training for me in terms of that. But um, I also, I was very intimidated by the older actresses the the, the not, who were on the show. So that was the hard part for me. That was harder than the lines of the acting. It was like... Um, the soap opera divas were scary to me. <laughs>
1: oh you <my God. laughs> um, definitely had like a lot of young people in your story. Uh, when you look back, who were you close to there?
2: Um, I was very close with Anna Holbrook, and I still am very close with her. She really took me under her wing, and she was super kind to me and um, helped me out. Um, initially, also Julian, who I'm working with now on FBI Most Wanted. He was, he and I worked together and we were both like kind of green in New York and we um, were close. Um, Who else? Originally, David Forsyth was amazing. Mm -hmm. And this producer, John Valente, who I called, he he took me aside after a while because my, David Forsyth played um, John and I was straight from Chicago and I didn't know that I said Jan. (laughs) It was Jan, Jan. And he was like, Amy, you have to stop saying Jan. It's not Jan. It's John. And I was like, I say Jan. <laughs> uh,
1: anyway. They said he was in Illinois. What's the problem?
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? I think because the producer's name was John, that he was like, it's not Jan. It's John. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got to get rid of the Chicago accent. <laughs> uh, so, anyway. Yeah. And uh, who else was I working with at the beginning? Um, Diego Serrano came on pretty quickly, and we were friends. Um, Robin Christopher, Matt Crane, and I were friends. Um, and then later, Dahlia Salem and I it came. She came on, and I was close with her. Um, and Linda, I mean Linda Dano, is like one of the most generous people on the planet. I mean, literally, she and Dahlia and I would ride into the set because they didn't pick people up. Um, they we met at a weird diner that was twenty four hours, so that we could stand somewhere inside at five o'clock in the morning when. The car pulled up when we all got in the car. Um, And I would ride in with Linda, who was on this, like, Atkins diet before anyone had heard of Atkins or whatever. (laughs) She'd be munching on a big, giant turkey leg at 5 o'clock in the morning. I was just like, what is going on? Uh, But she was really, had a great sense of humor about it all, was really supportive. And, I mean, she and I are still close. And, I mean, she's just a
0: phenomenal human being, so. Well, as Josie, you lived out so many different iterations of the character. She went through so much. You did so much heavy, dramatic storytelling. Uh, what's, you know, what stands out to you as, like, particularly memorable storyline uh, moments that you experienced as Josie?
2: Well, it's so funny. When people say to me who didn't watch Another World, they said, they, they always ask me, like, well, what did you play on the soap? And I always say short answer, uh, hooker turned cup. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, Oh, that's an obvious progression. And I was like, yeah, it was very obvious progression. But what stands out to me is, um, in terms of the experiences with Josie's like, she showed up, she was really wounded. Her mom, her mama, her mama was very, um, she was suffering from um, some mental illness and uh, so it took a while for me and for the writers to sort of figure out like, well, where is this character going to go? And I'm trying to think like, what was it that in me or in them that sparked this idea that Josie would become a cop? Uh whoever came up with that idea, that was a real stroke of genius because it gave this fragile character, you know, you know a broken character, a damaged character, uh, something to go for in some place to find strength. And it was just a really genius storyline. And uh, it allowed me to work with um, Rhonda Ross, and uh, who's still a very, very good friend of mine. Um, and... It was just like a really, that transition was, I think, just a stroke of genius on, on the writers. And I've, God, I wish I could remember. It might come to me, but like I don't really exactly remember what was the
1: turning point. I don't either. <laughs> Meaning, yeah, it's like,
0: get the
2: idea to become a cop.
1: But it was like 25 years ago at this point. I
2: mean, oh my God, it was like lifetimes ago. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, yeah. So I mean, that that's exactly. But that, that's like really like the most fascinating thing I think about the soaps, especially that particular time where they were less. I'm not less precious, you know what I'm saying? Because there was a, a lot, so they could do a lot of different things, uh, and the writers could really be inspired by a particular actor and what they were giving them, and then write for that. Right. And that's so cool. They could just be like I mean, we were just like they are like paper dolls, you know, <laughs> just like, oh, I see that doll's armbands like that. Let's make her do that. Let's
1: have her be a gymnast
2: gymnast.
1: <laughs> you know, I don't know, No, it's true. Um, well, you did stay there until nineteen ninety-eight. What uh, how'd you make the decision to leave?
2: I did um, my first contract and then I negotiated for like one more year because I knew that I wanted to explore other things. Um, so, um, but I wanted to sort of finish the storyline that, that they had. And, and it was right in the middle, like my contract came up right in the middle of the, the stride of that, that story. And I was really having fun, but I knew that I wanted to give myself a chance to try to do other things. So uh, I just decided to, that it was time. And once I got, once I got her married,
1: And on the cover of Soap Opera Digest, as I... Yes, yes. I still have copies of that, by the way.
2: (laughs) And then I was like, "Well, I think it's time to uh, do other things." Mm -hmm. But what's funny was when I first started on Another World, I was in New York and I was working so little. I was like, "I think I have to wait tables," because I couldn't pay my rent. I was like using my Bloomies card to like get lunch because I was like, "This girl's got to work more," (laughs) because you you get paid per episode. So I was working like once a month, and it was not a big salary. So I was like, "Oh my god, how am I going to pay my bills?" Anyway. But then I started working more, so that was really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's just a side note, because I was always like, oh, I'm on TV. I should be able to afford nice clothes. And no, not until you not, – not if your character is only working once a month. You cannot afford nice clothes. <laughs> so that's a real misnomer for me. Like, no, you ha- don't have it made. You have to work more. Anyway, when I left, um, when I left the soaps, I moved to. LA and I was in LA for about a year and a half and did like different episodes of TV and stuff like that. And then eventually I moved back East to do a series called Falcone, which we shot in Toronto. And um, this was before 9-11. So I used to just, I just moved back to New York and I would just fly up and fly back. You know, it was really easy. You remember those days without all the security and you could just hop on a plane in Toronto. Yeah. So... So that's what I did, um, and then after Falcone, I just I got Third Watch, and so I
1: stayed in New York and did Third Watch. Um, well, that's one of my favorite shows. Um, so, uh, what stands out to you about your experience on that set on um, Third Watch? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that set was so
2: chaotic. Um, it was <laughs> always a ton of cast members and. Um, it was a ton of um, just explosions and <laughs> emergency vehicles. And I mean, it was always, we would just, we would shoot in Harlem a lot and it just was chaos, sheer chaos. I don't know how, that was the hardest show to shoot. Um, just because of, we were creating chaos and then managing chaos and shooting it. So, <laughs> but it was really good. And that was, a really meta experience because I was playing a firefighter when nine eleven happened mm-hmm. I had a lot of friends we lost thirteen people who worked on the set at nine eleven background actors and cops people that we knew the guy to from rescue three uh who taught me to um use a, you know uh the fire hose and stuff uh he died in nine eleven it was just like a lot of meta experience it was like a very weirdly powerful experience um on so many different levels that that crossed over from entertainment into real life and
1: it was really it was intense my goodness yeah um did you feel at the time when you got that show that it would be a game changer for you and i mean you had gotten some really good credits prior to that you know in mypd like csi law and order that kind of stuff but this was a real you know long-term role well, you
2: know, just to hearken back to the soaps, like there was something about that character that I didn't really realize. You know, people often will stop me and tell me about how Josie was really, um, meant something to them. Um, and then same thing with that. Like there was something about that character, Alex Taylor, that really resonated with people somehow. So, um, no, I didn't know it at the time um, because I felt they, she didn't do a ton. She was like, kind of like, you know, like the oddball girl in the firehouse, you know? But then again, like I had so many, I think at the time there was only 19 female firefighters in New York city in the FDNY. So yeah. So I, and I knew like most of them, Um, but they would reach out to me and tell me how much that character meant to them. And also just people I don't know, she struck a chord with people, maybe because of her loss, echoed the loss of so many Americans at that time, Mm -hmm. um, because she lost her father in 9-11, and and she was sort of embodying that. But yeah, I didn't really know it at the time, but still people will stop me about Alex Taylor.
0: Well, you followed up that series with another series, Trial by Jury, um, where you got to work with the legendary B.B. Newmerth, among others. What was your experience on that show like?
2: I threw my hip out from sitting cross-legged behind a bench for so many hours at a time. Now I'm joking. I literally did though. Cause you would have to, they would be like, your legs are cross-legged that way. And you would, you would sit there for so long in these courtroom scenes that like, you know, if you sit cross-legged one way for too long, I mean, I was like, so that was like the most physically demanding show for doing nothing because of the way we had to sit. You can't cross that way; you were across this way. I'm like, okay, but it's like five hours in. I gotta uncross. <laughs> um, anyway, that show was great. There's so many terrific actors. The thing that stands out about that show is how many terrific actors went through that that set from Candace Bergen to Bradley Cooper to um, oh yes, Angela Lansbury. My God, I was I, I was like. I guess that Christy, no Angela Lansbury. What's <laughs> wrong? Of course, Angela Lansbury, duh. Alfred Molina, like so many people, Elizabeth Moss, like just so many incredible. If you go back and look at who worked on Trial by Jury, like we had the creme de la creme of actors work, to work with, and so that was just fantastic. Um, and sadly, I was there. I remember being feeling like a um, like uh, Shirley MacLaine in terms of endearment because um, Jerry Orbach was so sick at the time, and I was like, you know, I remember sitting with him in his room and he was just like sweating, and he he was very close to his death and he had cancer. And I'm like, you should just go home. And he was showing me, he was the sweetest, like most interesting longest career man, and showing me different memorabilia in his dressing room and whatnot. But I was like, literally like, shoot the scene, get the guy, shoot the scene. I was like, get him out of here. You know, it was like the scene in terms of the German. I wanted to run down inside and be like, get him out of here. <laughs> um, but he was there very um, incredible and patient. And I-, I couldn't believe his, the strength that he had to
1: to continue shooting it for as long as he did when he was so sick.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, And then in 2010, you began your seven-year association with the CBS mega hit Blue Bloods playing Linda Reagan, wife to Donnie Wahlberg's Danny. So did you have any idea when you were cast that the show would become such a big hit?
2: Well, yes, only because of, I didn't know if it would be, it would be a hit, but I knew that it was going to um, definitely get to the air, get to air because, you know, you do so many pilots. I mean, the, the. LA is like the boulevard of broken dreams with discarded pilots and actors, (laughs) pilot and never getting on the air, you know. But I knew because when when I was cast, it was Leonard Goldberg Mm -hmm. and Tom Selleck, and I was like, "Oh, this thing's going. This is going," you know. (laughs) And it was the same cast of Misha Misha Bowling Misha. My God, my brain today. Um, it was the same casting directors from Third Watch. Anyway, so they're fantastic. So when I auditioned, they were like, well, this is to play the wife of Donnie Wahlberg. And I was just like, oh, done. Like, we're such a good match. Like, of course they should this. Yeah, uh, but I didn't think about it. And then they called me and they're like, you got that that part. So I was like, yes, that makes, that is a good choice. We would
1: be really great together. <laughs> <laughs> I was born so, to play Donnie it, Wahlberg's it, wife. <laughs> Yeah, they agreed <laughs> so I was like
2: great and I had a little baby at the time and Nigel my son was a baby and I flew to Toronto we shot the pilot and um, yeah and I remember really being super super psyched because we had good I hadn't met Donnie before but um, we had really and, and I didn't really know his music strangely enough because I was like um, I was a grunge girl during that time anyway Um, but he was, he and I had great chemistry on set. So I was like, oh, this is great. This will be great. And so there it went.
0: I have a procedural question about shooting that show. Did you ever like really eat the food during all the family dinners?
2: Yes. You always eat the food. You have to, well, Bridget (laughs) never eats the food. She just, if you watch the show, she just pushes the food around,
0: but, um,
2: (laughs) it does a lot of cutting. Um, Donnie all the food, but you pick one thing. The, the trick is to pick one thing and stick with it. Otherwise, you will get really sick. <laughs> uh, like, is always eating like beans, which make him very gassy. And then um, I would try to, I learned to eat cucumbers because there's so much water in them, you know? Mm-hmm. So I would be like, give me the cucumbers. Uh, is, there was one show where I remarked about tur- how much I love the turkey meatballs. And so I had to eat the turkey meatballs. Oh, my God. I was like lying down in my, in my dressing room. He was like, <laughs> in so much pain afterwards. Yeah. And initially, Tom was like, we should get spit buckets because this is just this helps you do like two takes and you're done. You know, you get it out there. It's three cameras. They're shooting it all at the same time. When you're shooting at film, you're doing like. Fifteen takes, you know the why this is the medium, the close up, the, the you know like, and then you turn around and you do it again the same, you know. So it's like so many more takes, so so much more food. That yeah.
1: <laughs> um, well, Danny and Linda's relationship did mean a lot to viewers. What does it mean to you that that relationship really struck such a chord with them?
2: Oh, I have so many. The, the fans from Blue Bloods are amazing, um, and Third Watch, like pretty much every. I, I just had some really amazing, incredible people um, reach out about that relationship. And it makes me really proud because um, when I first saw the, the, the words on the page and this, but the potential of these characters, mm-hmm. I had been, and I think I mentioned this to you, Stephanie, uh, at some point in the conversation, um, a big fan of Friday Night Lights. Um, I love that show. I love that relationship with Coach and Tammy Taylor. Tammy Taylor, yes, Coach Taylor and Tammy. And I just was like, "Oh, that's this is so refreshing to see like a real relationship on television." So that is what I had in my mind when um, uh, we started building those characters. And so, you know, there's you you look for the opportunities, and so I'm just really proud that people um, picked up on. On the The many layers that we tried to 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 put into those that relationship
0: mm-hmm. so you had been um, on the show seven seasons when you chose to leave. did you decide to to leave?
2: What made me decide? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well i it's funny because I really had never talked about it oh. <laughs> um, It was clear to me that um Whenever I met a fan, they'd be like, I love your character so much. Why don't they do more with her? Um, And I would say, I don't know. And every single time I meet someone, I love that character. I love that relationship. Why don't they do more with it? And I would say, I don't know. And I went to the head writer many times and I gave him a lot of ideas, but it was my show and they just weren't interested and as an actor um i needed more to do even though i was super grateful and i'm still grateful to the show for what um opportunities i had i saw the writing on the wall and um they didn't convince me otherwise they didn't convince me that that the writing was on the wall (laughs) you know so um Yeah. It was a really painful, painful process. And I could go into more depth about it, but just trust me that it was a very painful process. Mm
1: Well, we still pretty much can see you every day of the week because that show runs so many repeats on so many different channels. Um, But you are back on CBS now in the recurring role on FBI Most Wanted, which you mentioned, stars Julian McMahon. Um, So tell us how the gig came about and about your new character, Jackie Ward. So I work for Dick Wolf, as we talked about, on Trial by Jury. And he's just a
2: great employer. Like, he's... Takes care of his people, like he tells great stories. He's, and I was like, I ran into him at an event where I was giving an award to some outstanding officers, uh, law enforcement officers. And I was like, hey, <laughs> I love working for you. Uh, and he was, I was like, I'd love to work for you uh, again sometime. That would be amazing. You see how subtle I was? And uh, he was like, you have a job. And I was like, yeah, I know. Well, then, time passed, and here I was, um, and I ran into his casting director, and um, um, Jonathan Strauss, and when I was at a play, I went to see um, Bobby Connervale, who was on Third Watch, and Rose um, Byrne in this incredible production, of bam, right before COVID hit, of uh, Medea. And I was like, you still doing all those Chicago med things and all that? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, God, I would love to do one of those shows. And he was like, let's look for something. I'll keep my eyes out. I didn't, you know, I'm glad you're, you know, so, so uh, let's find something. And then I auditioned for something for FBI. I was a different character. And then my agent, my manager called me and they were like, well, they have an offer for you. And I was like, Oh, did I get that, that one I for for? cause I didn't feel like it was totally right for me, but um, I was like, okay, and they're like, no, and then they read this description of this character, Jackie Ward, and I was silent afterwards because I was. They were like, "Are you there? Do we lose you?" And I was like, "That is like a character I have dreamed of in my mind." The way they described this character was like she lives in her car, and she's a bounty hunter, and she's brash, and she's, um, uh, you know. Um, foul mouth and she's worships at the altar of Dolly Parton. And I was just like, who dreamt up, who knows who's been spying in my window? <laughs> so I was like, yay, I can't believe it. So I was like, just jumping at the opportunity. And so I accepted the offer. And, and uh, also I had watched the show because I was flipping channels and there was Julian. And so I stopped and like, Oh, what's Julian doing? And I watched a show and I was a fan of the show. I was like, well, this is a really good show. And I was so happy for him. And I was so happy to see him uh, on the air. And then I, so, so right away, I knew that like, that was like a good environment and,
0: and that could be a great place to work. What was it like to work with Julian again? Amazing. I mean, I look
2: at pictures of us back in the day because he was, um, I worked with him right away when I was on Another World. So it was a long time ago. And I, but you know, like you kind of forget when it's like 25 years ago, we're talking about like, we forget, but once you get your mind into that situation, you remember like how young we were and, and what that experience was like to both be newbies on this set. And, and it's like, it's a very tender thing to remember, like, Oh my God, we started out together. And, he has always been who he is, and he is uh, very conscientious, very kind, very supportive, like, so supportive on set, and, and everything I did, he'd be like, I love it, oh my god, this is great, like, he couldn't have been more, it was such an uplifting set, because they were so supportive of me, there were, and Callan and Lutz was like, they're just like, cheerleading, and just so just like oh my god we love what you're doing we love what you're doing we, we want to see more of you and like I was like oh my god this feels so great to have them be like we want to see more of you and we want you to do more and then have this excitement like it felt very rewarding
1: to me to um, to have this experience right now it's it's been really great. Wonderful. And it's recurring right now, but there is a the possibility that we could see much more of you in a recurring role, correct? Well I was slated to do one in February, and
2: then the morning after it aired, um, the network emailed me, like, can you just do one in January, too? And I was like, oh, yay, (laughs) sure. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, so that was really nice. It felt so
1: nice, and I was super appreciative and grateful. Um, Now, away from work, Um, your life is also very full. You and your husband, Sid Butler, who is a musician and a member of the house band of Late Night with Seth Meyers. You have two children, a son and a daughter. Um, So first tell us, how did you meet Sid? Well, when I was on another world,
2: um, the all the camera crew and hair and makeup and everything they would week they their their weekend job was they were worked on Saturday Night Live, so they would often say, like, you know, this is before 9 11 too, where there was less security, and they'd be like, come up and watch. I'd be like, yes, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> so I was always like sneaking around Saturday Night Live. I shouldn't say this, but it's true, and you can't <laughs> do that anymore, that's much more strict. But back in the day, like I would be like hanging out backstage and I would watch the shows. Um, so I did that a couple times at the, at the um, as a guest of the people who were on crew. And then it was the season finale party and a friend of mine who I had met through a friend, she was a loose acquaintance, you know, the power of loose acquaintances. She said, Oh, can my brother come with um, to this party, the Saturday night live season finale party. And it, I remember it was Jeff Goldblum and Natalie and Brulia—that's who that will date it. Remember, her song torn. Okay, so that was who the guests were, and he came with, and we hung at the party. I'm like, this guy's really fun. He's really nice. And I remember Molly Shannon was like, he's a good one. He's <laughs> great. He's a keeper. Um, and so then he just like called me three days later, jerk. And, <laughs> a three day roll. <laughs> yeah, the three day roll. Exactly. I was like, what is going on? And he met me, get this, after the, because the the Emmys are right around the same time as the season finale, because they both were in May, June, right? And he met me at the Fashion Cafe. Remember the Fashion Cafe? Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. So we were at the Fashion Cafe, and it was like all the soap opera, Emmys. we were all like, reunion of the homecoming queens, like it was decked to the nines, you know? (laughs) And and we were all just glistening with... Sparkle and he showed up in his like Adidas hoodie and like his Rod Labor shoes and like you know like faded like gray chinos or something super indie rocker and was totally comfortable in this crowd of people who were look like you know they were like going to the Andes which they were so uh, I was, that's, a, that's a very confident fellow um, and he was very kind and so that happened mm-hmm. <laughs> the fashion cafe it takes balls to show to the fashion cafe and not be intimidated especially if it's full of
0: daytime actors that's amazing um well uh, the two of you have recently collaborated musically as well you have a christmas lp available under the band name office romance it's called holidays of love tell us about that project well, I
2: love The Holidays. Uh, in fact, we wrote an EP like five years ago and one of the title tracks is, I Love The Holidays. <laughs> and so
0: <laughs> Sid and I are always looking
2: to collaborate and do stuff together. So he and his bandmate from Les Sabe Favre who's also on uh, Late Night with Seth Myers, and I, um, they wrote all this music and then I'm the lyricist. So I wrote these three songs like, I think it was like five years ago. Might be longer. Uh, and then we were always like, well, we should do that again. So we were going to do another three song ep and uh of holiday songs and then we just kept writing and they just kept writing and they kept like creating and so we had i think we had 12 songs and they said we recorded them last year and then they said um and I, but I didn't write lyrics cuz i was so like oh my god how am i going to write 10 songs so uh then The lockdown happened in COVID, and Sid was like, well, there's nothing to do, Amy. Get (laughs) going on those lyrics. So we were, like, in this lockdown, and I'm, like, just, I was in this office uh, where I sit right now, and I was just, like, listening and writing lyrics and trying different lyrics and doing this, and so we ended up, and then we ended up recording with um, different artists, remotely you know like they would record at their house on their gear and send it like we're like trying to take again but a little bit more like this and then in the end we recorded these two um matt Hitt did that a lot at home god bless Matt hit i love him um but the other um these, a duo called susu um uh, and Kiyos, they we went to a studio all masked up and they went to the sound room and we finished and it was done and it was like and it turned out great. I mean, I don't mean to like, I'm really proud of it though. I mean, the the performances and it just turned out, it's just a great holiday record. And um, so I'm just really, really proud of it. Thanks for asking. And you sing on it.
1: You're, I am even mean, a singer, you're
2: amazing. Well, there was one song where I wrote that I was like, this is like a go-go song. It's like a real like poppy poppy song. And we had some, um, People try it, and I was like, it's just not Belinda Carlisle enough. And then I was like, you know what? We uh, we happened to be in Martha's Vineyard in and No one was there, and we went to get out of the city just to have a break. And there was, like, this sweaty little recording studio that we recorded at um, and it was sweaty because of COVID you couldn't go you couldn't open the doors and we, me and my kids had sin. it's like we're recording the song about the magic of snow and I'm just, the sweat is just pouring off of it. us <laughs> like, we couldn't like turn on the air because the sound you know and we were just, it was like 110 degrees in there sweating singing about snow and the kids were like we hate you mom <laughs> now get up
1: and do some cheering guys, this is your part and they were like we hate you. child labor mother <laughs> Got, it. Got it done. Uh, well, where can people find it? And where can they find the video that you directed for it? So the video is on YouTube. You just put in magic in the
2: air, Amy Carlson, office romance. It should pop up. And, oh, thank you for asking the video I directed. <laughs> uh, and the, because I love it. It's very, people are like, oh, it's teary. It's perfect for the holidays. The other um the other, da, 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 da. the other thing is they can find the record. Thank you. I was like, what else did you ask? You can find Office Romance. Um, you can, uh, If you have Alexa, you can say, Alexa, play the album Holidays of Love by Office Romance, and she will play it. Mm-hmm. i worked out the phrasing. Oh, now she's starting it. Alexa, <laughs> stop. She's starting it. But that is the language you use. <laughs> Clearly. Because <laughs> there's other things, you know, other names like that or you can just you can find it it's on spotify it's on amazon we've been selling cds and they keep selling out of cds on on because who buys cds a lot of people apparently buy cds (laughs) Uh, so um spotify uh what what else amazon itunes like all the pretty much anywhere you pick it you'll find it Wherever fine music is sold
1: thank you that's right Um, and before we let you go, just tell us about the other project that you have that is making the round at film festivals.
2: Oh, you're so sweet to ask. So I directed a short film called The Letter and it was shot in the fall of 2019 in New York over a weekend. And I loved that experience and I acted in it because I'm a cheap hire and I got Um, Scott Cohen who's a brilliant actor who I worked on trial by jury with and the whole crew was third watch people was who I reconnected with by doing a film with Jason Wiles uh, in the spring of, of I forget when 2018 maybe 2019 I don't even remember but anyway we did it, his film uh, and it was a labor of love Sid so came up with a concept and I tweaked the script to make the locations easier to shoot at for one weekend. (laughs) And I shot it and it won I won Best Director and Best Actor at the Hollywood International Women's Film Festival. Which was a great honor. And now it's on it's in contention for the short films it can. And it's won different accolades here and there. And it's uh it's like my new passion. So now I'm putting together a
0: script to shoot next summer. That's Um, phenomenal. Yeah, so I love it. Um, so last question for you. Uh, I feel that a lot of people listening have probably been watching you and been a fan since you first joined Another World. So we're talking many years of Amy Carlson fanship. What is your message to uh, those fans who followed you from the very beginning of your career?
2: I love them from the bottom of my heart. I, it's, it's, I have ornaments, I, as I said, I like, I love the holidays. I have some ornaments in my tree that are, were gifts given to me from another world fans.
1: Wow. And
2: there's something just really special about people who have connected with you uh, since the beginning of your career. And that's how I feel. And in some ways, like my stories are their stories because we connect with people on screen and um, who have something to say to their heart and their story and their soul. So, so in that way, my, the people who appreciate my work, um, I feel connected to them in a very strong way because there's a reason that they that they're fans of mine and, and mutual, you know, is because we have something in common in our hearts. And so I feel connected to my fans and I'm so grateful to them.
1: Well, Amy, thank you so much. It was so great to catch up with you. Anyone who's listening, I have listened to the holiday album. It's great. Go get it and um, have a very Merry Christmas.
2: Thank you. Thank you guys so much for taking the time. It was great to take this time
1: with you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Amy Carlson for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.